This week I'm so excited. I am doing an interview with Mari Corona, photographer and writer who empowers, motivates, and inspires through images and words. That is so powerful. But that's not the only reason. She is also a strong advocate of holistic wellness, self-care and creativity, and using these mediums as art healing therapy for manifesting her best life. And that's what we're getting into this week. My name is Jessie Santana, and I'm an organizational culture strategist, entrepreneur, and mother. This is the Way We Work podcast, where we discuss all things at the intersection of knowledge-seeking curiosity, entrepreneurship, and social impact. Maddie and I get deep. We get deep into culture. We get deep into family. We get deep into parenting, which is something that is near and dear to my heart. But we also talk about some things that might make others uncomfortable. We talk about trauma. We talk about the art of healing and fair warning, it's not for everyone. But again, if you don't use conflict as an opportunity for growth, I don't know how you can begin to improve not just your life, but those around you. Hey, Mari, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm good, I'm good. How has your day been? Oh, my day's been awesome. I did a great um, yoga center um, workout flow this morning, so that set off my day really well. And um, what is it? It's 4.30 now for me here. Well, yeah, because you're in Montreal, right? Yeah. So at the same time. Oh, it is? Oh, awesome. Okay, so it's 4.30 for me, and I'm having my beautiful apple um, cranberry tea, because you know I'm a tea girl. Mm. So it's been wonderful. How about you? What's going on with you? Um, I had beautiful conversations today. Um, I've been listening to some podcasts about startups and... Uh, uh, I had a wonderful conversation with a previous mentor that she was like, oh my goodness, Jesse, you are just putting all this stuff out. Like I need to come back when, and we need to talk. And so we talked and it was just this lovely conversation of somebody that um, I hadn't spoken to in years. Uh, she knew me from when I was at MGM like years and years ago. Um, but I remember meeting her at the Women's Leadership Conference in Vegas, and it was just really beautiful in, in just reconnecting. Um, and I'm really, I feel like intentional social media, <laughs> yeah. as opposed yeah. to just yeah. the consumption of social yeah. media. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I'm really, yeah, I'm enjoying that aspect of creating this, creating other um, platforms and working through other mediums. Awesome. You see, it's like, you know, when you do good content, when you do great stuff, 
whoever it's meant to be, whoever it's, you know, it's supposed to touch, they'll find you. Yeah. And, and you don't even know, right, how that that's going to happen. You just do what you think you're, you're doing well or what you're passionate about and just follow through and be consistent because that's a part that I always failed at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then now it's starting to connect with people and it's starting to, to grow and people are starting to come and, and participate in the conversations. And I think that's the best part about all of this. Oh, beautiful. I'm loving that. That's awesome. So, Marie, please, please, please tell me your, a little bit, well, tell the people listening a little bit about you and what you're doing. Because I'm, there's just something so beautiful about your spirits <laughs> that I just keep oh. getting back to. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy to be here because I just love what you're doing and I love the conversations that you are evoking and that is what I am about. So I'm going to start off by saying, hello everyone, my name is Mari Corona. I'm a photographer and writer based out of New York City, born and raised in Brooklyn. And I uh, empower, motivate and inspire through images and words. And I've been using these creative mediums of my photography and my writing now for numerous years as art healing therapy for me. Mm -hmm. um, it, it has allowed me uh, to heal from a lot of uh, generational traumas, a lot of family, um, just a lot of family issues, you know, that uh, we carry. Um, in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits that are baggage that's not even ours, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, for many, many years, I, I, I didn't find an outlet for, for a lot of my pain, a lot of my struggling. And once I dove into writing and, and I picked up my camera and just started using that as healing tools for myself, everything else just started falling into place. Then I started getting into yoga, started getting into meditation, healing circles, sisterhood circles, um, digging into Reiki, mm -hmm. you know, all, all the good stuff that starts coming, you know, that starts coming your way once you start um, uh, letting go of the baggage, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, this journey's been now, I think, since 2012, I think. I, I don't, I'm not even exactly sure, but it, it's been, but it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that there's something really powerful when you start to heal from trauma, yours or not, that helps propel you to a higher place. And Absolutely. once you start, you know, on the other side of that journey of healing, it's, I, I don't even know how to explain somebody who's still in it, what it feels like to be on the other side of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, once you, once, when you're in it, when you're in it, it's so painful. It's so intense. It's so overwhelming. It's so consuming. Mm -hmm. like it's some, like you just sometimes don't really see a way out you know yeah. and you know the the icing on the cake is that you 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 have to 
start shifting your circle, the people that you surround yourself with, because you cannot heal if you're in the same traumatic circles. Yes. And something sometimes that means totally removing yourself from these spaces and learning to love people from a distance. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. You know. And for me, that's the for me that's the greatest love. For me, that's the greatest form of love and value that you can show yourself and anyone else, for that matter, when you can uh, discern that that's something that you need to do in order for you to create your best yeah. self. Yeah, you know. And I think that's it's really important. Um, one of the things that I, I'm I'm a very big fan of words and etymology and looking at the different meanings and where the words came about. And even for me, I think that's probably, I mean, it probably has to do with the fact that I took Latin in high school because that's the normal thing. (laughs) (laughs) But even, even in like coming from like a place of where I had I was literally, I left the country. <laughs> to find yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and even then, like, uh, like I, ha- I remember somebody telling me when I was in China, hey, you may run away from your problems, but your problems always have a way of finding you. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that. That's that baggage. Yes. That's yeah. that big, that's that lump on, you know, in the back of your uh, uh, of your throat. That's that heaviness on your shoulder that you feel. Absolutely. You can't hide from it. You just can't hide from it. There's no there's no blunt, <laughs> no martini, no vodka, no person that you hook up with at, at some club or whatever. Like there's just no no getting away from it. Mm-hmm. because once all those distractions go away it's just still there yeah right yeah. it's just still there and I think that it wasn't until I understood what that word mindset with that word intention because for me that I always was like oh that's like woo woo like <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like very like spiritual i'm religious i'm not spiritual i don't know what that is that's like all the things that are keep it at a distance because for me it was like oh that's i'm putting all of my self and understanding outside of myself and i'm not saying that i'm not i don't i still pray I, i go to bible study now every thursday with my aunt Mm-hmm. Um, and those words still hit me, but I think it's also important to remember that even if you're religious, he still asks you to do work on yourself, yeah. yeah, not just to rely on him for everything. Exactly. And I'm, and it's sometimes difficult to have conversations with, like for me, Half of my family, they're all pastors, very super strict, religious. Um, And so they don't, they don't see that, that aspect of 
self-work and, right. and personal development in the same way that I do. Right. Mm, yeah, I, I see where where uh, I so I went to Catholic school up until the eighth grade, mm. but throughout my whole experience, I said to myself, okay, you know, like this is just an education. Like my mom didn't want me in the public school system. She felt this was the better place for me to be, the safest place for me to be. Mm -hmm. but I cannot incorporate these teachings because I just don't believe them. Mm -hmm. So even in, you know, even as a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grader, I didn't believe in some of the, the things that they were trying to program me to believe because, you know, for me, like, for example, and this is just me as a little kid, cause like, how old are we in eighth grade? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, even me as a little kid, I was like, how is this priest, priest going to teach me about love and relationships when he doesn't have a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I know that they're teaching me about, about that they are married and, and that they love and they're married to God, to Jesus, to the church, like, to the, like I, I get that that's what they're telling me. But for me to have a problem with another human being, how can you relate to what I'm having if you don't have that for yourself, mm -hmm. how can you be teaching me about raising children and, and the difficulties about whether I want to be a mother or not be a mother, hence the topic of abortions and stuff like that, mm -hmm. when you yourself don't know these things. So, you know, even as a young kid, I was never really religious mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. I believe, you know, I believe that we that there's a higher power out there, whatever it may be, however you may address it mm -hmm. by whatever name. And I believe that that higher power helps us if we help ourselves. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you know, like the digging in and stuff like that, you know, the higher power wants me to question. Yeah. Like a, a book is not going to tell me that I cannot question my higher power. Like he gave me that ability you know, to question things to like, I can't just follow something just for the sake of following it. Uh, you know, like that's just never been my thing, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's very interesting because when I do, you know, get into circles of people that do follow a certain type of religion per se kind of thing, when I share my experiences and my journey, it's like what you just pointed out. They they look at me like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, <laughs> you know, like 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 you know, like it's like it's such a strange concept to go within, yeah. and it's such a strange concept to you know, and it's like the, like what you pointed out is it santeria, is it brujeria, like you know, like what's going on, and it's really nothing like that. Like especially, I get that a lot when I tell people that I'm constantly saging or I'm constantly meditating, or I'm constantly doing Palo Santo, or I'm constantly, you know, burning incense. They look at me like, ¿Qué tú estás haciendo? Like, ¿Qué brujería? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just even like, so kind of almost like silly to, mm. to some degree, you know? Yeah. So, even, I mean, for me, um, my mother says that I learned how to read by reading the Bible. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so she also, uh, my grandmother was a teacher at a at an evangelical school okay and so she went to school there 
I had started to go to school there in the Dominican Republic. Um, and it has always been a really expansive part of life. But since we moved away from extended family, when we were, we were the only ones in Vegas for a long time. And obviously Vegas has this image of being a sin city. So some of yeah. Family, yeah. <laughs> How did you end up in Sin City, okay? <laughs> well, funny enough, one of my aunts worked there and my we were in New York City because that's where all Dominicans go. Um, and my aunt uh, was, in, was in Vegas and she was like, it's warm, there's tons of jobs, like, you know, what are you waiting for? And my parents were just like, well, we hate the cold and um we would we want you know warm weather jobs um my parents my parents went from being like you know like in the regular public at that time my dad was a bank manager he wow. was like proud that he had his own secretary like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. hardcore yeah. middle class mm -hmm. and then moving to the u.s he they didn't speak English. My mom uh, worked at a factory. She babysat other people's children. Right. Um, she, my dad uh, worked at a gas station. He sold used cars. So I think for them, they their their experience in the U.S. was not a good one, and so they were looking for other opportunity, mm. and they were willing to take it even if it meant going to a place that had a bad reputation. Right, right. And right. even some of my other more religious family, they also came. But because of the image, they left. Mm. Um, and for a long time, we were the only ones there. And some, you know, like we have some cousins or whatever, but um, nobody who was of that super hardcore religion stayed. And it's almost unfortunate because as we have grown, um, I think that it, it allowed us to question. It allowed us to not have this dogma on top of us that prevented us from living life. Like I remember visiting one of my cousins in Cleveland and his brother, or he had a, a rap CD and I think I was 14 and his dad broke it in front of him and said that kind oh, of is not tolerated in this house. Wow. And just seeing wow. that made me not want to be there. Right, right. And obviously associating that with that. <laughs> the, the act of violence of over this music. Wow. It's one thing if you if you talk about it, if you have discourse, if you say, this is, these are the things, the teaching that we're learning, these are the things. Um, but mind you, they, they, they have now religious music and religious rap. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right, right. They don't even like, <laughs> right, right. So I feel like this evolution of life um is is such that 
I, I don't know, like, I, I wish I was in the room where it happened when people were like, let me make some popular music, but let, let's, let's actually have it be Christian. Right. Who decided that? <laughs> and that music is actually very entertaining. It's very good. And, 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 and I wish that it had happened before when I was traumatized by religion. Right. But interesting enough that you bring up the music situation because I never censored my daughter growing up. Mm -hmm. Music is music. Music is universal. Music is such a wonderful tool to use for conversation. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, like I, I used everything as a teaching moment and I used every tool possible as a teaching uh, tool as I raised my daughter. So we never censored any type of music in my home. My daughter's been listening to all sorts of music since my belly. Like I would put the headphones on my belly and she literally would listen to music while she was still in, in my belly. So I remember like different types of songs that would come up and you know, if she sang something that I figured that at that point that chorus was a little bit like inappropriate because of the, what the content was, I just simply said, mama, look, this is what the song is saying. So like, you know, don't say that too loud or, or, you know, like things like that. But I remember like some of her friends weren't allowed to like listen to Britney Spears and mm -hmm. listen to a little Wayne. And I'm like, okay, listen, you can control what you control in your home, mm -hmm. but this is a big world out there. And when your child is out in the world, yeah. you're not going to be able to censor them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I remember growing up listening to like, there's a, there was a group many, many years ago. I mean, I was a little kid when they, when they were on, it was, uh, they were called the Clark sisters and they had a song called, um, I think the song is called you are my sunshine. And I loved, loved, loved that song and love it till this day. I had no idea that they were talking about God. Mm. I thought they were talking about like their husband, their boyfriend. Because she was like, she was like, she was talking about he's the light of her life. He's the best thing that's ever happened to her. Like, I'm thinking like, wow, this is a romantic song. Mm -hmm. It was years and years and years later on in my mid-teens, early 20s that I realized that I learned that the song was about God. Yeah. And, you know, like um, Kirk Franklin, he has some great music that you wouldn't even think it has to do with God. But like his music, his gospel music is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I, I, I don't know, I, this censorship for me, this thing, this censorship for me, I, I, I have issues with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're absolutely right. You know, when we, when we don't, we can't censor the world, especially now with social media and kids having access to things that even I couldn't have imagined having access to. I mean, I, I got my first flip phone when I was 17. Wow. College. <laughs> Notice had a phone since she was eight. I was telling someone that last night. I was like, my daughter's had a phone since she was eight. My, you know, because again, you know, like you said, things are so different, you know, and she would be on a school bus. Like I had to make sure my kid was all right. But mm -hmm. I, as a kid, I was on a bus on a train by myself when I was eight, nine and 10. Mm -hmm. without any access to a cell phone because of course we didn't have that back then yeah. so oh my goodness 17 wow you came a little bit late to the game jesse <laughs> well i am a little bit older than your daughter <laughs> Jeez, a little late to the game jesse well i do remember my sister my youngest sister 
when I, she was 14 years younger than me and I would pick her up in, from kindergarten and they would be kids with those little like dinosaur phones or like the yes, ones that have the little contacts and stuff yeah <laughs> and she would always be like what can I get my phone <laughs> oh my goodness wow but anyway but let's get let's get back to the art of healing because I feel yes. like, like yes. even today my conversation um with that mentor she talked about cultural trauma mm. Mm. and I think that that is so powerful and I think that there are so many people that don't even recognize uh, how much intergenerational trauma affects us right. and affects how we live life right because how your parents teach you even if they want you to do better than they did they will still I mean in my case they will still try to control in certain ways things that they learned about moving through the world right and I think that a lot of times even with good intentions that can sort of harm us more than than help us um, I mean my parents are lovely um especially if they're hearing this I love you <laughs> but I think that shout out to Jesse's parents <laughs> You have, like, we are all people. And I think that's one of the things that, um, even with my daughter, like, I'm trying to also try to break that cycle because I, I find that I sometimes want to react how I remember my parents reacting to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do it differently. Um, I'm trying to not necessarily, I mean, she's two, so we, we still got ways. <laughs> ways to go but listen but, you have to start planting the seeds early honey yes. early 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 yes absolutely and, and i think that it's just i there's there's certain things that you think about how you move through the world that if you really sit down you can recall how the things that you saw as a child impact that current moment that you're that you're in right now. Oh, absolutely. It happens to me. It happens to me often more than not, especially now, especially now that I'm, that I'm really deep into my mindful living practice, which I've been in for the past, I think 12 years. Mm -hmm. And even when I started saying, Oh, I, you know, I practice mindful living. People would look at me again. Like, what is she talking about? Yes. So I would try to explain it in the simplest form available to me, because again, word, words matter mm -hmm. immensely. So the simplest form for me to, to express that and to explain it was, I am mindful of every breath I take. Mm. I am mindful of every spoonful of food that I put in my mind, in my mouth, excuse me. I am mindful of every hug and kiss and any exchange that I'm having. So I try to be as present as possible. So, you know, my biggest ex example would be when I'm having dinner, I don't rush through my food. I make sure I chew my food slowly 
peacefully and that I am savoring every morsel so that I can taste the flavors. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I'm not eating it and then gulping down my water immediately because that's taking away the taste of the herbs and the spices on this meal, you know? And even then that was still a little bit like, again, strange because most of us, until we get to this place where we decide to live different and to flow differently, that's not what we're doing. And you commented about culture. Like I come from a Dominican family myself as well. And what is that? They put the plate of food. They put a whole bunch of food in this plate, right? Right? Because they're cooking like they're cooking for 50 million people. Yeah. Right? So they put all this food on your plate with love because again they're doing it with love that's their yes. love language right that's their love language they feed you absolutely but you're not even mindful of what you're eating because again you're talking you're hearing a lot of chatter behind you sometimes there's like i don't want to say fights or arguments but like there's sometimes like disagreements going on while you're having your dinner and you can't even <laughs> you can't even like enjoy it you know <laughs> Yeah. And I remember the first time that I took myself to dinner, like I took myself to dinner and I, you know, I went to this nice restaurant. I took a little magazine with me. I put my phone away. Um, the waiter came and, and, and put some water on the table. And he says to me, um, is your, is your, you know, is your party, is everybody in your party here? I said, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> and he looked at me like, he looked at me like, wow, like you're going to really sit here by yourself? Like, wow. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, it's just me. I'm taking myself out to dinner today. And he was like, oh, wow, that's lovely. We don't see that very often. I said, yeah, you're right. You really don't. Mm -hmm. And Jesse, you know, it was a little bit kind of nerve wracking because again, you're in a restaurant, everybody's two or three people at a table. I was the only person there, but that has to be by far the best meal I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. You know, because I enjoyed my salmon. I had some some glazed uh, cranberry sauce salmon with, I don't even remember what else it was, but it was just so delicious mm -hmm. because I was in that moment getting out of my, my box of fear of doing yeah. something so beautiful for myself, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. um, it's just, you know, it, it's just, baggage unnecessary baggage again like you know just like you said the cultural things it's, the yeah, list is I, endless so one of the things that you that you reminded me about fear um this morning i was listening to somebody talk and they were speaking about um how fear is only programming it's learned behavior yep um you know when you're a kid and you're taught you need to look left and right and left again before you cross the street. Right. Um, or, you know, if you're going to cross the street and you haven't looked and somebody puts their arm in front of you, right. you learn to fear crossing the street. Right. Um, you, you learn to fear animals because, you know, we see violence of, between animals and people on TV, in movies. Um, but the amount of like shark attacks, for example, Sharks are not like the, the amount of shark attacks <laughs> or the amount of people in the world is like zero point zero 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 percent. Maybe one one at the end of three. Yes. 
Yeah, so they're, not, they're, not, they're not targeting us when we go. Yeah, they're not targeting us when we go on vacation. Yeah, they're no, yeah. but like it's and then the the replay. Like there was one guy who was who was bitten by a shark, I think in Europe or Florida this summer, this past summer, and they just kept replaying it and replaying it and replaying yeah. it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with you know everyone is talking about all of the divisive language. And today, since it's, you know, inauguration day, all of the people that are going to come out and protest and they're going to be armed. And it's like, if you talk 24-7 about this thing that could possibly yeah. happen, it's probably you're inciting it. You're coming. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. What we, listen, what, what, what we did, we, the United States of America, what we did after 9-11, was mind boggling to me. Like during this pandemic, since I've been home a lot, I've been like doing a lot of um, backtracking to some shows from back in the days that I never really got into, mm -hmm. that I, I didn't really get to um, invest time in watching, um, like a lot of series programs and stuff like that. And every program, every drama that was on television after 9-11 was just spewing and spewing and spewing and spewing and spewing for us to fear Arab, Arab countries and Muslims. Mm -hmm. And to think that they were just out to get us, out to kill us by any means necessary. You know, like I was watching NCIS, Los Angeles. It was all about everything had to do with the war, Afghanistan, like every, almost every episode, you know? And again, so imagine just being a young child during that time, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just live in a neighborhood where your, you know, your bodega is, you know, happens to be a Muslim family or an Arabic family or, what, or whatever the case may be. And then you're like almost afraid to go there, you know, because now you think that they're going to blow you up. Mm -hmm. you know, but, but prior to that, you were just fine and dandy going to buy your candy and going to buy, you know, your milk and your bread and whatever. Like, you know, it's a program. It is a program. Absolutely. And the agenda is to fit whatever it is that they're trying to sell you at the time, mm -hmm. you know, to try to keep the control and, you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't know how you grew up, but like, for me, I, I wasn't allowed to sit in front of the, the, the house. I couldn't hang out in the front of the stoop. I couldn't hang out with my school, my friends after school. Um, my friends couldn't hang out with me. I couldn't do after school activities because God forbid anything could happen to me. Somebody could duck me in the train. And then as I became a young lady, I could get pregnant. Like yeah. what? I lived the exact same life. <laughs> like, listen, I, was, I went out last night with a friend of mine, uh, um, uh, a neighbor of mine, and we went out last night and we were talking and we were sharing, you know, family stories. And I'm 25 years older than her. I'm going to be 50 this year. She's 25. And we, when she was sharing her story, she was talking about my mother. <laughs> she was talking about my mother. And every time she told me a story, I told I used to, I said to her, I got a better one than that. <laughs> and she was like, no, that's not possible. I was like, no, let me tell you this one. And she would tell me one. And I was like, oh, no, I got a better one than that. Yeah. You know, like, how do you tell someone, oh, whatever, whatever, be careful, you can get pregnant, but you're not even explaining what that is, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, so I'm going to stand next to this boy and I'm going to get pregnant. <laughs> yes. Or I, I'm gonna sit, or I'm gonna sit at the lunch table, and I'm gonna get pregnant. Like, what? Like, what do you yes. mean? You know? I, yeah. Like, I remember uh, my my sexual education. 
<laughs> consisted of my father coming into my room. He sat down on my bed and he was like, Jesse, just remember this. Boys, all they want is this. And then he patted my bed and he walked out. And I was like, what the hell was that? In your mind, you're like, what? They want to sleep in my sheets? <laughs> <laughs> no. My, I remember when high, in high school, like um, during, during my time in high school, that's when they implemented, that, excuse me, that's when they implemented um, the nurse's office to have um, condoms available. Mm. Like that was during the time, you know, that was in the 80s. It was like the late 80s. I graduated in high school in 1989. So like 87, 88, 89, Planned Parenthood was advocating sex education and you know safe sex so they were um encouraging the schools to have you know condoms available in the nurse's office and for them to have it available in a bowl where the kids can just go and grab it no questions asked no shame in the game Mm -hmm. and whatever whatever and i remember my father you know i grew up with my mother you know they were separated so my dad lived in queens my mom lived in brooklyn but I remember my father calling my mother one day and telling her, oh, now they're giving these kids permission to just go and just go out there and just be having sex everywhere. <laughs> and I said to my mother, I didn't know that we needed permission to do anything because like not for nothing, like if somebody's going to do something, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, like my father's mentality was if you give this boy or this girl this condom, you're like, yes, go, go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of like being like educating themselves, you know, but I also realized and I've also come to respect and understand that they're only coming from a place of what they know. Yeah. You know, you can only do better when you know better, Mm -hmm. you know, and that their experiences were not our experiences, you know, like. Yeah. Now I come to realize, like, just understanding their journey, you know, like just understanding their journey, they, they weren't capable of doing the things that maybe you and I now can do with our kids, because all their function in life was just to provide a roof over our heads, mm-hmm. you know? So the idea of like, I'm going to love my kids, hugs and kisses. We're going to go to the movies. We're going to watch TV together. We're going to hang out. Like that's foreign concept to them. Yeah. Because to them, they're like, what? I'm providing you with a roof over your head. I'm providing you with food, with clothes on your back. That's love. (laughs) You know, like that's love. I don't know what other stuff you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that, I mean, it wasn't until I was like in my late 20s that I actually found out that the reason my dad was so afraid of us getting pregnant when we were in school was because his sister had gotten pregnant when she was in school. Mm -hmm. And he was afraid that because of that experience, we weren't going to finish school. I mean, mind you, she went on to, you know, get her, get a esthetician degree and she went on to like open a very successful salon and she did her life and it was great and now her child also is an entrepreneur and he owns like this chain of things and all this stuff like they're good but it's the fact that he internalized that story 
yeah of where yeah. she did not do the thing that she had said she was going to do yeah and now he was afraid that him this man having three daughters was they were going to experience that same thing they weren't going to accomplish what they felt that they could accomplish unbelievable um and and i but i completely agree i think that you know if you don't know what you don't know how can you grow yeah So we're cutting it there because this is actually a two-parter. This is a conversation that is full of truth, vulnerability, and intentionally aligning with who you are meant to be through the art of healing. And that deserves a full breakdown and a full breath of insight and peeling apart the layers because we do talk about serious things. We talk about intergenerational trauma. We talk about cultural trauma. And most important, we talk about the art of healing, which is a vital and important aspect of being able to move forward, of being able to use conflict as an opportunity for growth. Because like I say in the interview, There's no way to explain how you actually feel on the other side to someone that has not done the work yet, that has not had their transformative experience and has yet to see what their life could be like having gone through it. Because we need to start envisioning power and strength on the other side. And because today was a very historic 46th inauguration, and we now have our first Madam Vice President, I thought I'd share with you a letter I wrote for my daughter. Today was the inauguration of the 46th President of the United States, President Joe Biden. While that's significant, it's not usually earth-shattering in my world. But this time it is different. This time there's hope on the horizon. For one, we are stepping out of the fog that was the 45th President, full of divisive language and rhetoric, that created dangerous factions of unrest. It was a constant test of just doing the next right thing, just like Anna says. It wasn't always easy. In fact, it sometimes took a source of strength I don't think most of us are capable of exerting. So we fell into the norm of combative discourse. The constant arguing and fighting was incessant. Maybe that word is too big, but it was just constant. But do you know what today means? Today means that darkness has not won. It has not stayed. We proved we are capable of falling and getting back up. It's possible. But do you know what else happened? A woman 
a woman of color, Kamala Harris became the first Madam Vice President in American history. That's right. It's possible. She's not the first to run, but she's the first to make it. That means there's possibility for change, and that is beautiful. This means that forever more women, girls and everyone in between, will forever recognize that it is possible to reach the second highest office and soon, maybe even surpass it. I don't know what your future holds, Kamala Harris, but I thank you for your example. Because guess what, my love? Representation matters. And when you, my beautiful China Latina, can see another woman, a woman of color in an office where we weren't welcome before, it gives us hope that we can get there again. She's opening the door so that we can walk through the door. Your Baba says that every major change in humanity is built upon the ashes of those that came before. He's a bit of a philosopher, that one. But I hope it's a bit faster than that. Change is never easy, and most of us resist it. But when we get to the other side, oh, the possibilities. Love your mother, Jesse Santana. If you like the show, make sure to like and subscribe and leave a review. And don't forget to tell your friends to listen. Follow us on Instagram at the way underscore we work or check out the website at www.theway-wework.com If you have any questions on culture, identity, the spectrum of where we fit in, send an email to thewaywework official at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.